I'm Karen Barnes, and I'm going to be doing the scripture reading today. It's found in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him face to face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are both Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. This is the Word of God. Hey Grace242, Pastor Bill back with you to resume our Bumper Sticker Belief series. The Onion is a satirical newspaper that began in 1988 in Madison, Wisconsin. And from 1988 until 2013, The Onion was an actual paper that they published. It was newsprint. And in 2013, they made the switch over to being a website now. But just to give you a feel for The Onion, if you've never been exposed to it, here are several headlines. Number one, Stanford students admit it was pretty obvious billionaire's dog didn't get in by itself. Here's another one. Neighbors come together to watch BMW owners struggle in the snow. Here's a pandemic-related one. Charmin under fire for new ads suggesting it wouldn't be a bad idea if everyone started hoarding toilet paper again. There's one for dog lovers. Dumb dog wearing face mask all wrong. I like this one. Exercise ball all the way over there. This next one is for Sonny Holtz. Man forced to come up with 45 seconds of facial expressions while waitress lists off specials. <laughs> Seriously. Here's one for anybody who that's cleaned up after a church potluck. Man hoping people notice how many folding chairs he's carrying at once. <laughs> this one's for you college students out there. College freshman decides to be lanyard wearing kind. <laughs> you know that guy. And the article said something like, emphasizing that he did not come to this decision lightly. Something like that. Next one, new dog digs up old dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this next one is for all our tennis players. CDC guidelines say it's safe to play tennis if that's honestly how you want to spend your free time. Mother still searching for preschool that focuses exclusively on her son. Here's another pet one. Pet researchers confirm 100% of owners who leave for work never coming back. And lastly, study. Employees happiest when pretending to work from home. <laughs> so those are just a, a few of the Onion's headlines just to get you a feel for the satirical work that The Onion does. And I tell you about The Onion because recently, several years ago, their 
came out a hashtag called not the onion so hashtag not the onion and that hashtag refers to news stories that seem like they ought to be satirical but in reality are true so you would find a news story that where the headline is funny or seems like it's a joke but is actually a true no news story and then what you would do is you would hashtag that as not the onion and i tell you about hashtag not the onion because something recently happened in new york that i think ought to be hashtag not the onion Three people were arrested and charged with assault on police officers at a unity march in Brooklyn. And here's why I think this belongs in hashtag not the onion. This is a unity march, but watch some of this footage. I say that that article belongs in hashtag not the onion because does that look like unity? Now there's a glimmer of hope in all this because the unity march was organized by faith leaders, some of whom are Christians. And the violence came from radicals calling for the defunding of the police. The radicals brought violence because they said the Unity March was too supportive of the police. And I show you this story about the Unity March because it's what's been happening in our culture in a nutshell. On the surface, there's supposedly this push for unity and equality in our culture, but yet much of this supposed unity is accompanied by violence, marginalization, division. Supposedly we're fighting racism, but yet the weapons that we're wielding seem to be racism itself. And much of this fighting racism with racism happens under the banner of Black Lives Matter. We're in the middle of this series called Bumper Sticker Belief where we're scrutinizing the bumper stickers and the mantras of our culture against scripture. And now we turn our attention to a mantra that's received a ton of attention over the past month and a half, and that mantra is Black Lives Matter. Now before we go any further in this discussion, we have to determine what we mean by Black Lives Matter. When we say Black Lives Matter, are we talking about the phrase Black Lives Matter or are we talking about the organization Black Lives Matter? Are we talking about the phrase and the reality to which that phrase points, the fact that black lives actually matter? Or are we simply talking about the organization Black Lives Matter and what they stand for? And as Christians, I have come to the conclusion that every Christian needs to support the phrase Black Lives Matter. But conversely, no Christian can support the organization Black Lives Matter. Every Christian ought to support the phrase Black Lives Matter, but no Christian can support the organization Black Lives Matter. And before we dive in, I just want to take a little digression for a moment to say that the distinction between the phrase Black Lives Matter and the organization Black Lives Matter is a distinction that the culture would like to obfuscate. And in ignoring the distinction, the culture can sow confusion. And if you're confused in your own thinking, then culture can influence you. And if they can influence you, they can have uh, determine what you think. But as Christians, we don't want to be confused. We want clarity of thought and mind, which comes from God and His Word. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 addresses the disorder and the confusion surrounding the spiritual gifts and specifically the more demonstrative spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church. And in the middle of his talking about the demonstrative gifts, he says in chapter 14, verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. When we're confused, the culture can influence us. 
shape us and, and mold us into the image of culture. But in contrast, God's Word brings clarity of mind and thought. And when we have clarity of mind and thought around God's Word, that's when God shapes us and fashions us into the image of His Son. So back to our distinction between the phrase and the organization Black Lives Matter. If the phrase is something every Christian should support, and the organization is something that no Christian should support, my fear is that the organization as something no Christian should support is going to drive us away from the phrase. In opposing the organization, we also walk away from the phrase. And I'm afraid that as we reject the organization, we reject the phrase as well. And in this sense, we sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'll admit that when Black Lives Matter kind of rose to the fore, I was one who threw the baby out with the bathwater. I looked at the things that were being done in the name of Black Lives Matter and I thought to myself, if this is what Black Lives Matter means, then I want no part of it. But I realized that my thought on this issue was almost entirely formed by news, podcasts, the internet, political commentators. I Very little of my thought was informed by God's Word. I could filter everything the news and the podcast said through the biblical worldview lens, but the problem is that even as I was doing that biblical worldview filtering, my primary source was still the news and podcasts. And that needed to change because the Bible ought to be my primary source. And so I needed clarity of thought. And so what I did is on my phone, I actually unsubscribed from my daily political news podcasts. I unsubscribed from my news feeds and I actually deleted the social media apps off of my phone. And so that dramatically cut down the amount of news and podcasts that I was taking in. And instead of listening to news and podcasts, I began to read the Bible and listen to sermons. And on my retreat last week, I, I went in feeling this great deficiency. I realized I needed a theology of race, racial reconciliation. I needed a th theology of race. I needed a theology of ethnicity. I needed a theology of uh, diversity, you might say, or, or multiculturalism. I realized I needed to seek God's heart on this. So that's what much of my retreat was dedicated toward, was seeking God's heart on race and ethnicity. And one of the sermons I listened to on my retreat was preached by Pastor John Piper to Wheaton College. And Pastor Piper says, when it comes to the issue of race and ethnicity, Show me that it's close to the heart of God. Show me that it's a Bible issue, that it's a word issue, that this is an issue that God values, that this is an issue that's close to the heart of God. He said, show me it's a gospel issue. And that's where I want to begin. I want to begin with the phrase, Black Lives Matter, as something that every Christian ought to support. And I want to begin showing us that racial reconciliation is close to the heart of God. Let's look at Galatians 2. This is one of many instances that reveal God's heart on this issue, and, and let me sum this up for us. The fundamental question that Paul is addressing in the book of Galatians is this. How do you become part of God's family? And Paul's answer to that question is simply, believe in Jesus as the Messiah. There were Jewish Christians who believed that Jesus is the Messiah, 
And you had Gentile non-Jewish Christians believing that Jesus is the Messiah, and both agreed that you become part of God's family when you embrace Jesus as the Messiah, as the King. But here's the problem. There was a group of Jews called the Judaizers who insisted that you had to become a Jew to become part of God's family. And you become a Jew by following food laws, Sabbath observance, and circumcision. And Paul is writing to the Galatians to say, No! It's only about faith in Jesus as the Messiah that you become part of God's family. It's not about becoming Jewish. It's not even about Jew or Gentile. It's about Jesus as the Messiah. So ethnicity is at the forefront of Galatians. How do you become part of the family of God? It's not about your ethnic heritage. It's not about becoming part of that ethnic heritage by observing food laws, observing Sabbath, and becoming circumcised. It's not about ethnicity. It's about faith. So ethnicity and race was something that the early church had to deal with head on. Look at verse 11 and 12 of Galatians chapter 2. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So Peter, himself a Jew, comes to the church at Antioch as a missionary. And like a good missionary, in order to incarnate himself to the culture, he doesn't follow the Jewish regulations. He doesn't follow the food laws. He eats with the Gentiles and he eats meat with them because the food restrictions are a Jew thing and he is incarnating himself to a culture of Gentiles that he wants to win for Christ. So he eats meat with these Gentiles even though he's a Jew and he does not insist upon circumcision again because that's a Jewish thing and it's not about circumcision, it's about faith in Jesus. And Peter is not doing anything wrong by doing this. He knows it's all about faith in Jesus. It's not about becoming Jewish. Peter even was the one to whom God had appeared in a dream and all these animals came down in this sheet and God declared them all clean. And so God declared to Peter that the food laws no longer apply. And so Peter is doing exactly what you would expect of a missionary. He's incarnating himself to the culture in order to win the culture for Christ. But verse 12 says that some of these friends of James came who as verse 12 says, insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So this group is a group of Judaizers who are saying that in order to become part of God's family, you need to be circumcised. In order to become part of God's family, you need to become Jewish. So what does Peter do in response to the Judaizers? He breaks fellowship with the Gentile believers. He stops eating with the very people that he's trying to reach with the gospel. Verse 12 says, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. So Peter, having been pressured by, dare I even say, ethnocentrists, removes himself from the people that he's trying to reach with the gospel. And here's why Paul is just reaming Peter out. Because look at the fallout. Here's what verse 13 says. This is the fallout of Peter's actions. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. The fallout of Peter's removing himself from fellowship with the Gentiles at Antioch is gigantic. 
because it's created two factions. Over here, you now have these Jewish Christians who believe that you have to become a Jew in order to become part of God's family. And then over here, now you've got these Gentiles in Antioch who are on the outside looking in because they're not Jewish. Peter's actions create a race and an ethnic division. And Paul goes ballistic, and rightfully so. Look at verse 11. Paul says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. So he's taken Peter head on, and now 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Paul is saying to Peter, By your actions, you have led people to believe that their place in the family of God is dependent upon their ethnicity. Paul is saying, Peter, you have created race divisions. You've created children who are second class in the family of God because of their ethnicity. That's what you're creating by your behavior. Right now, we're living in a culture that says that race is everything. There was this fascinating video that came out last week by a comedian named Ryan Long. And it very simply and very bluntly shows how the cultural narrative on race is rife with racism. I won't show the whole video, but the video consists of these two characters. One is dressed in a woke t-shirt who represents the progressive culture that we live in, the woke culture, and then the other represents an actual racist. And the video is about the woke culture, as personified by this guy in the woke t-shirt, and the racism, as personified by the racist in the t-shirt. It, it, it shows them coming together as friends because they're beginning to agree on everything. And so what I want to do is I just want to show you a few seconds. It goes fast. I want to show you a few seconds of this video. When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your, Your racial, racial identity is the most important thing. thing. Everything, everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll back, back discrimination laws so we can hire based on race again. again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. It's white people, we have so much privilege. I agree, it is a privilege to be white. Isn't that video wild how succinctly it shows how penetrated with racism our culture has become? Some might say it's our culture's become so progressive, it's regressive. And I think that's what that video shows. Now going back to Paul's confrontation of Peter, Paul is rightfully angry because Peter is introducing racial and ethnic boundaries to the family of God. And both Paul and Peter know that it's not about ethnicity. It's not about race. It's about faith in Jesus. Look at verse 16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. It's not about obeying the law of food restrictions or Sabbath observance or circumcision. It's not about obeying those laws. It's not about becoming Jewish. For no one will be made right by obeying those three things. You're made right with God by faith in His Son. It's about faith in Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Becoming part of God's family is not about your race. It's not about your ethnicity. It's not about your Jewish heritage or lack thereof. It's about faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Church, as we go forward into this racially charged and polarized environment, 
Let's remember that the family of God is all about belief in Jesus. Whereas the culture tells us to look first at race and tells us to draw boundaries based upon race, we don't look to that. Instead, we look to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we've only scratched the surface of this bumper sticker, Black Lives Matter. So in the upcoming parts to this message, we're going to be looking at why Christians cannot support the organization Black Lives Matter. I'll also signal for us that at some point in this message, in these parts, I'm going to be prompting us to look inward. I'm going to be poking the bear a little bit. And I'm going to be prompting us to do some self-examination and some introspection of how we might have perpetrated either racism or why there's ethnic divisions where there should not be some. I'll just signal for us too that we're going to be looking more into God's heart on the racial issue, seeing how the Bible reveals God's unified plan to create a multi-ethnic family of worshipers. That's where we're going in the upcoming weeks. Looking forward to it, Grace 242.